it's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast. Coming to you live this week from Denver while I'm on my trip. Uh, I've gone and explored some of the mountains and some of the edible things that are legal here to partake in. And saw some friends, went and did some eating around town and a bunch of other shit. Saw some sights and about ready to go back home and be with my dog and kind of get back into the swing of my normal life before we head out to the east coast in a couple of days and basically go and kind of do another weekend adventure uh to go see the case of raw guys and maybe while i'm down there i'll get some of them on here to quickly do a, a recap on the band's past and their history since they're calling it a day and just be kind of something fun to look back as a as a retrospect i guess of sorts my um, guest this week is the returning Fallon Bowman, uh, where we get into the second part of our Deftones album breakdown, where we dissect the Around the Fur album. Those of you who listened to the last one we did uh, weren't necessarily too stoked on how honest we were about a record that we weren't really too keen on. But with that being said, this is the record that both of us got into uh, the band with. And so therefore we will probably have a lot more fondness of this album looking back on it. The chat kind of gets a little lengthy. Uh, we discuss having gone to see Deftones. At the, at the time of us recording this, I had seen the Deftones and so had Fallon about a week before. I saw them a day before she did and she saw them obviously the next day. Um, I actually, while I'm here in Denver, went and saw Deftones on the same tour here. And I got to say it was a bit weird to see a band not in your typical home state uh, because you're used to hearing you know thanks so much you know for me Michigan or whatever and, and to hear them kept seeing saying Denver and Colorado uh, was a bit interesting but uh, it also was interesting to have seats we were kind of further back than I have been for pretty much any Deftone show I've ever been to so that was a bit weird um, but I was actually able to kind of see the lights and the whole show that they were putting on so in that regard it was actually pretty cool so this episode runs a bit long because we kind of talk a lot longer about the the show and the dynamics and stuff like that between our two shows um so i'm going to kind of keep keep this one really short and here's my chat with alan first or do that at the end or how do you want to do this one uh it's up to you it's your show <laughs> i'm just a guest fair enough um how about we talk about yeah about, let's talk about the shows so um okay. i went to see the deftones thrice and rise against was there <laughs> begrudgingly uh <laughs> i'm just not a fan it's funny because my cousin and i the last couple of tours that Rise Against has done, like one was with uh, Kill Switch Engage and then and Let Live, and then this time in Stepstones and Thrice. So there's always bands that they bring out with them that I'm always like excited to see, but I'm always like, fuck, I gotta sit through Rise Against and I don't like them. And Rise Against is one of her like favorite bands ever. So 
she's oh, always God. she always goes on and on about how she's like i'm so like i saw she just went to go see them like i think last night and then i guess she's getting married soon and they're gonna go see them like the night before they get married rise against that is i'm like man i just don't understand how people like that band <laughs> but um so my wife and i make the three-hour trek to sterling heights michigan to go see this tour and upon walking in we she jokingly looks to her left and says huh that guy looks like the dude from taproot and i turn to see who she's talking about and i'm like that is the dude from taproot because i recognized his, of all things his taproot uh, tattoo on his sleeve <laughs> and she oh, was yeah. like is it really i go no it's totally him and then i was like we were trying to figure out his name and i was like it's like steven i think or and she was like no i think it's like like rich like stevens or richard stevens or something like that i was like so like we're like looking yeah we're like looking it up and then i was like if i see him real quickly and he's like because he was waiting for someone or just wandering around by himself and i was like if i get a second and i see him again i think i'm gonna go over and be like yo like can you be on my podcast because <laughs> i figure he doesn't really he's not, yeah. not doing a whole lot musically anyway but i mean we're him living and growing up in like the Ann Arbor, Detroit area, it's like I figured like we could at least talk more about like the scene back then. But I didn't see him right. for a while, and then I saw him walking with his pregnant girlfriend, wife, or whoever it was. But the thing that I thought was interesting is uh, we're Bridget and I were trying to think of a tour that maybe the Deftones and Taproot would have been on, and I, I honestly couldn't think of one ever. Um, so I can I, tell you, did they actually tour together? Yeah, they tour together. Them, Incubus was uh, Incubus headlined, uh-huh. and and Deftones. When... I saw them in two thousand November two thousand and one. Okay, so I know of... that because it was on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say so at the height of uh, Taproot's popularity, probably right before. Actually, Poem probably would have been out by then, and definitely was it Welcome would have been out, obviously. I honestly didn't li- uh, listen past Gift. Okay. Like I just listened to their first record. That's it. <laughs> because I didn't like 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 them or anything. It was just the way it was. Yeah, it's we went to go see them do their that record played through it in its entirety at the machine shop and I realized I don't love that record as much as everybody else does. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I ended up seeing him and I had some great thought it was really funny because he was wearing hasn't changed style wise, he was still wearing like baggy jeans, like Dickie's pants and like high top socks and, ah! and uh shell toes and all that and i was like it's good to see that the uh the new metal look is still around <laughs> and oh yeah it's just... coming back baby it is i mean what every 20 years things come back indeed so uh i ended up seeing him and there were a handful of people that i was thinking of that i don't think that you know i wondered if they knew who they were or who he was um and then there was my friend's band half of the band showed up the dudes and wilson and it was kind of interesting to see those guys because uh i always think it's interesting to see bands hang out with each other that are at the level where they're constantly touring playing you know 100 some odd dates a year or, or more that it's like you guys are still friends enough that you'll still go hang out with each other to go see a band in a show um yeah so sometimes <laughs> i always think that that's cool and, and you know see people still actually hanging out and knowing that there's not like any bad shit going on or whatever um yeah but definitely made me more aware of like how deftones are one of those bands that like pretty much everyone loves across the board and it brings out you know everybody's fandom yep it's very true 
And then as a, we'll get to it when you bring up your show, I'll, I'll bring up this kind of aside as well. But so we get to the show, Thrice is getting ready to go on. There was some weird band that was the opener and it looked like it was just kind of like a weird instrumental thing. Uh, I could hear what? it. Did you not see the, the very opening band? Uh, no, we do. We arrived relatively late. Oh, okay. No, like, you're one of those. Thrice people. was already playing. We arrived in. Yeah, mm. I know. I, I, I never usually do do that but it was just because i had to work the next day so i could get in there and i'm I'm two hours two hours away so i'm like okay let's get this over with (laughs) (laughs) okay thrice shut the fuck up let's go (laughs) uh no it's funny i and i kind of alluded to it before on the the past episode um but i had seen thrice and deftones together on the self-titled deftones record uh it was them in thursday uh, when Thursday was putting out War all the time and Thrice had just put out Artists in the Ambulance, so like their biggest record to date and still pretty much a, a classic record in their discography. Um, so it's kind of weird to be able to, you know, over 10 years later, basically see the exact same bands, more or less in the exact same slots too, uh, playing with each other. Yeah. Because typically you don't see bands stick around that long nor be able to play at the level that these two bands are still playing at. Uh, and being, you know, still relevant. Yep. So I, that was kind of interesting to, to think back to that, to that show and that tour and uh, realize that, you know, these two bands are still uh, touring together and whatnot. So, um, but Thrice was awesome to me. I thought they didn't really play anything uh, off of, they played one song off of uh, Artist in the Ambulance. And it was really weird because when they play Silhouette, which is the song that they played, typically they played the song before uh, All That's Left because all that's left ends and basically goes into silhouette so it was really weird just to hear silhouette by itself and you're like but there's the whole other like the whole song that's kind of the build-up to this this thing because the song itself silhouette starts off with just basically a breakdown riff um and it's kind of it was the like more most aggressive song within their set um it seemed to be one of the only ones that people actually kind of like got into because i think people weren't really into the very like kind of ambient heaviness of what the band has kind of become over the last few albums but oh really yeah but the funny thing is is my wife actually was like i'm not familiar with their music really and neither was my wife but it was funny because she was like i really like that do they all sound like that i go no it's kind of been like the new record sounds a lot like that (laughs) and like the last couple but uh so we ended up jamming that on the way home and she was like i like this i was like all right well maybe i can actually get you to a thrice show now um but then (laughs) then rise against came because we were they're they're co-headlining, so they alternate dates as to who is officially the last band playing. So we got stuck with Rise oh, Against. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so we got stuck with Rise Against. Okay. Uh, as the the middle band, and right out the gate, I don't remember what I know the song. I don't remember what it's called. I don't care to even bother looking it up. Uh, but it's one of their bigger singles. <laughs> it was like one of their first big singles they had, and they came out, and dude was like super pitchy. The band was, it sounded like the band was playing at, like, like just couldn't find the tempo. Because, like, it, it just seemed rushed and oh. all over the place. And it was bad. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go, like, grab drinks. Uh, and I, That's when I went and grabbed my merch. Because I figured, uh, I figured and I hoped that everybody was going to be a big Rise Against fan since they're from Chicago. So a lot of Rise Against fans probably would have made the, the trip. And right. I was able to get through the, the Deftones merch line, which... Contrary to what I said on the la- our last episode, uh, merch I thought was pretty reasonably priced. T-shirts were like 30 bucks. Yep. Uh, hoodies were about 50 yep. 60 
they had a couple of those jackets that were about a hundred bucks that I almost bought just because why not? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But so I ended up getting a shirt and and a koozie because it was it was okay. all reasonably priced. And then uh, by the time nice. we got done hanging out with some friends that were at the show, Rise Against was done and made our way back to go see Deftones. And I was very surprised to hear Head Up right away. That was a yep a very statement song. Like, you know, like with a, the band kind of having put out a really chill record with gore and, you know, the last handful of records having a lot of like ethereal parts to them. I was pleasantly surprised yep. to see them just come right out with head up and um actually i'm gonna pull up the the set list for my show and maybe yours as well so we can kind of i don't know if they were the exact same yeah please do same set list my computer computer now (laughs) (laughs) but it was one of those things where with head up like i definitely think it's a it's a song that a lot of people know it kind of shows that they you know they're going to play like a lot of the older stuff because a lot of times the last handful of times i've seen the band they kind of stuck to a lot more uh, more of the more current things. So at that point, it was um, interesting to see that they just started right off with uh, with head up, and then went straight into my own or, uh, my own summer, which was pretty interesting. Um, I mean, I'm pulling up both set lists right now. I can see that both your and I mine show started off with head up, my own summer, and labia like straight up out out the gate. And I mean, those are arguably three of the heavier songs off of uh those two like the first two records and right actually i'm sorry those are off off of uh, the record we're gonna talk about actually. Off sorry i'm yeah. like looking at all the other all the other songs the only difference that i'm seeing actually we also got an encore it looks like whoever made this didn't we had engine number nine as our encore um we didn't have any <laughs> yeah i was gonna say but that's probably because they weren't the headliner that because uh, yeah, on your show they, they were the yeah. they were the middle band um, yeah exactly now, a question I have, because uh, this was something for me that was a very, like, emotional moment during this the set. They played a... Re- never can pronounce this fucking word. Uh, Reverie? Off of... Uh, Reverie? Okay. They, that's a, it's a song off of uh, Saturday Night Wrist. It's probably one of my favorites. One that I don't Yeah. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite <laughs> songs off that yeah. record. It's a very... Yeah. Very Chino guitar song. Uh, and it's just a... I mean... Okay one of my favorites and I'll probably fight you on that one for favorite song off that record uh, when we do that album but he ended up playing that and it seemed like the band didn't know that he was going to do it because like everyone just kind of like Steph kind of sat there for a minute hit his like vape pen and like watched Chino play everyone just kind of looked around for a minute and even Abe kind of like played a little bit of drums sort of like the band tried to like join him but it was just like a very cool like moment where he played played the song from the first uh, verse into the chorus, and then they went right into Change, uh, House of Flies. Um, yeah. But that that doesn't look like it happened at your show. Like, it might have been another, like I said, due nope. to time. So it was uh, one of those things for me, since I've never heard the band play anything off of Saturday Night Wrist, like, you know, be able to hear even a, a, a smidge of a, one of my favorite songs off of it was really cool and Reminded me of a, a friend of mine who had passed it. You know, we went to go see Deftones oh. uh, and all that kind of stuff. So, kind of an emotional moment. And you know, I have it on. I have that song on uh, on my phone. Like recorded. It was one of those people for some stupid reason. But it was uh, <laughs> the show was really interesting. And the thing that was kind of the takeaway for me was how much they didn't lean on the new material. They actually, it was really 
uh, a lot of stuff off of White Pony and Around the Fur. I mean, I'm looking at it. Yeah. It's like I said, Head Up, My Own Summer, Lavio. So those are off of a Around the Fur. Digital Bath, Back to School, Elite, all off of White Pony. Phantom Bride, that was off of yep. the new record. You've Seen the Butcher was off of uh, Diamond Eyes. Rosemary was off the new record. Change, Be Quiet, again, Adrenaline, or uh, not Adrenaline, uh, Ron the Fur and uh, White Pony, and then Diamond Eyes and Rocket Skates. So right back to Diamond Eyes. So, I mean, a good mix, but it, it just felt very White Pony heavy when you're, like, watching it live. I'm telling you. I, I, I put it out into the universe of like play only things from White Pony and Diamond Eyes and Scorp City because I love that song. Yeah, that was, and yeah. that's exactly what they did. So, <laughs> what uh, so our show it was really cool because like you know Deftones when they went on it was nighttime, which that was the only thing I felt kind of bad for you was that you didn't get to see like the light show and all that and kind of really add to the the atmosphere of their live show. Um, did you? Meh. You didn't care. It was Deftones, so Deftones in oh, any any. I don't month. give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I will take them anywhere. I'll take them anywhere they come. Yeah. Um. So something about your show that I thought was kind of interesting was the fact that uh, I saw that you had someone had taken a photo with you and you reposted it on your your Instagram. So in my head, after having yep. the thing with uh Stephen from uh, Taproot. I kind of was like, oh, maybe like to somebody else, like that was their kind of moment of like, oh, there's someone from another band that like I used to really like, like at this show, like how cool. So I thought it was kind of weird that like I had that at our show with the dude from Taproot and then potentially like someone the very next day, you were that person for them. Um, I had a couple of people look at me like they recognized me, but Kevin <laughs> is a friend of mine. Oh, okay. Um, and he's, he's in a he's in a band called fake shark in Canada. They're like a kind of an indie pop okay. band from Canada, but he is like a hardcore new metal fan too. Okay. So him and I were commiserating about like the old days when he's, he's about the same age as me. Um, and you know, talking about new metal and he's like, man, I've been listening to the first four corn records over and over again for the past month. And, and yeah. So anyway, when he told, I told him about the show, he had no idea. And he's like, Oh geez, Deftones, amazing. <laughs> so he bought tickets. He bought tickets on Saturday to see them on Sunday. Ah. And, but I did have one girl kind of do a double take, but most of the time I no nobody, I, I, as far as I could see anyway, nobody had that reaction. Then maybe there was a lot of the thing, like my wife, like, I think that like someone might've been like, I think that's a chick from Kitty. <laughs> And then someone would be like, "Oh, if it is, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go see her if I can." The next time I go talk to her, and then they probably never found you in a sea of people. The thing that was interesting oh, to me, God. though, how about, many people were at your show? Um, see, the hard part for my show, and I think maybe you can have a little bit of a difference because you had seats. Like the way the the venue that I was at was set up is it was just like any other outdoor amphitheater type thing. But the thing that I like about this venue mm -hmm. is that they have a general admission pit area in the very front by the stage. Um, so you have like a, if I had to see, it's hard because no one buys the tickets to go though. So the last two times I've seen Deftones, there's maybe like, and I'm being generous, maybe 200 people in this general admission area. And to the point where like, you can be huh. about three, three rows of people back. So like, here's the line of people at the barricade. Here's another line. And then here's another line. You can be about four people back. And then the whole rest of the, like, that's where everyone is. It's just those first three rows of people. And then, and even so, they're still all pretty spaced out. Like, if I really wanted to, I could have walked right up to the barricade. Like, no problem. Because uh, there just weren't that many people in oh. that area. 
So it's one of those things where if I had to guess, I think it could probably hold a good five, maybe 600 people in that area, like pretty crammed, but still. And then it's the row of seating and then behind that, the lawn. Um, so when I, yeah. it looked like when I kind of peeked around when I was walking around the venue during Rise, excuse me, Rise Again set, that it looked like there was a decent amount of people there. But by the time Deftones came on, it definitely, uh, outside of my specific area, uh, the the venue looked pretty full like it just like when you look back and the uh, house lights were on you could see a sea of people going all the way to the horizon of like the venue so it looked like there was a lot of things oh. like a lot of people there which made it awesome uh especially like during like swerve city like during the whoa like the crowd did yeah. it and it sounded really good so i i, I mean oh, obviously nice. i think that's a, an assessment to how many people were really there and, and knew of the material um but what's interesting about it, like, there was, like, a grandmother that was, like, on the floor with us, like, had a walker and all that kind of stuff, and was there with, like, her maybe granddaughter? I don't know. And uh, I think she was wearing, like, a five-finger death punch shirt or something like that. I was like, that's kind of cool. I wish you had better taste that's in music, nice. but <laughs> but it was cool to see, like, I've the wide. Of... You've never heard of five-finger death punch? No, I've never heard of them, but they were tons of people at the show wearing their shirt and i'm like who the fuck is this band yeah they uh they're going under a lot of shit right now but uh no, it, was, <laughs> it was interesting to see it's and i'm finding this more as i go to shows like this i'm finding that a lot of bands of this this caliber that have been around for shit almost 30 years yeah. not, not 30 years but like over 20 at least um that the thing is is that the deftones bring such a wide range of people like i mean they were lumped like as we said in the last episode they were lumped in with the new metal phase but really never were a part of it as far as nope. stylistically and especially once we get into discussing around the first like any real thoughts that they were a band that should have been lumped in with that like it's it's straight out the yeah, right out the window on this record um yep but it was interesting to see such a wide range of ages and people like there were like the like we were around a bunch of old drunk dudes that were probably like 40 something <laughs> if i had to guess so like they would have been like the younger people when like around the fur came out or whatever or white pony and they were like wasted and like doing like so many bro hugs like constantly like hugging each other during like the first couple of songs and this one dude was like so hammered he was like wandering around with a cigarette in his hand i was like i swear to god if you burn me with that i'm just gonna punch you <laughs> and it was just annoying but it was really cool there was actually yeah. another couple that was like dancing like i don't even know how to like kind of like almost swing dancing sort of or whatever it was it was very weird it was very weird to look around and just see people reacting to the the set completely differently like you had drunk people who are wandering around and yelling and high-fiving everything even if it's nothing and then you know you got people who are moshing you got people who are you know looks like they're on drugs and just kind of swaying getting lost in the music which was cool and then you had people who were just kind of like on their phones and it was like kind of take like i'm one of those people who like probably looks like a creep because i just constantly am looking around at people <laughs> <laughs> but i always think it's interesting to to look at how music is affecting people in a live scenario because it's i mean i know how it makes me feel but it's uh it was interesting and then we ended up leaving what we thought was, well, we didn't know there was going to be an encore, but we ended up leaving uh, to get out because we still had a three-hour drive back home. And that was a very, very long drive after yeah, staying in the sun and all that kind of stuff. Um, what were some of the thoughts on, on your show? 
I saw them in two thousand. Uh, the show that I was telling you about with uh, Taproot. Yeah. That was the last time I saw. Nope, it's not true. No, it is true. Yeah, I saw them in two thousand and one of, of November two thousand one. Um. And I I didn't know what to expect because like I think was it me and you that was talking about the fact that they may be playing more older stuff. Yes. I think we did talk about that. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm super pumped that they play as much Diamond Eyes or as much White Pony as possible with a sprinkling of Run Fur. That's, that would be the ultimate. So anyways, we get there. I go and I buy... Um, right away, we went to the merch table. My friend bought a hat for her son. I bought a shirt. I was like, like giggling like a 12-year-old girl the entire time. And uh, uh, we get to find our seats and the seats are pretty good we're still kind of far away but I, I was okay with that because they had these huge like jumbotron kind of thing so i'm like that's okay <laughs> you know i can see and hear everything um and then my friend pulled up the set list from your show mm-hmm. or from someone's show i don't know how she got a hold of it she pulls it up she's like oh dude oh, check, there's a website check set list set fm list. Yeah, or something like that. Anyway, I go on. We go on it. I freak out because, of course, they're playing every single song that I love to <laughs> death. Um, there was a lot of squealing. Not gonna lie, <laughs> I squealed a lot. Um, and of course, I'm like admiring all of Steph's guitars because his guitar arsenal has grown like tremendously. Um, I have his original signature series. And it's one of my favorite guitars of all time. And I'm like, oh, I want that one. Oh, I want that one too. Oh, that's a nice one. That sounds great. It, it was, uh, I, I was giggling like a little girl the entire time. I had so much fun. They sounded incredible from start to finish. Yeah. They, they killed it. They can killed it. Yeah, it's it's been kind of interesting because like I was pulling up video of Deftones from a while ago and like the leading up to us going to the show and there was moments where around like 2003 and stuff like that because i was looking to see you know if they played much of like saturday night risto for stuff off the uh self-titled record and chino sounded really bad and i think what's happened oh really oh yeah and i think what's happened in the since then uh from what i've gathered with chino playing a lot more guitar i know that he like most of the band i think have in-ears so at that point I think with him having to play guitar as much as he does and having the in-ears, I think it obviously makes him more aware of how he sounds vocally. And not to say that he's not pitchy at times, but I think he's learned that with the in-ears, he can hear himself a lot better. So he's not pushing himself and he's not kind of being, you know, whatever. I think the thing that I've always heard the issue with with bands using in-ears, especially singers, is that they say that it's hard to, to get the feel of the live crowd because you can't hear them. So it's a very weird, like... Mm thing to be kind of in your literally in your like own headspace um your own head <laughs> i mean constantly like once he was not playing guitar you would see him pop out one of the inners when he like was just basically the front man at that point and i think that that has led to him being a better sounding vocalist when he's playing live and i think on top of that i think with them having the inners and stuff like that i think uh it allows the band to sound tighter and obviously know where they need to be um the only thing that kind of still bothers me is on uh, Diamond Eyes when they speed up the chorus. I still fucking hate that so much. I don't see why they do it. It kind of ruins <laughs> the song to me. Come on. 
I'm, no, I'm, it sounds fine. I honestly, John, like they could pretty much be, <laughs> you know, doing raspberries into a microphone for the entire it. song, and I'd be like, oh, it's so awesome because I'm one of those <laughs> fans that are incredibly forgiving, like incredibly forgiving. There's one part um, uh, that they they were having problems with uh, switching between like just, I think it was, was it no, frick song is it? Oh my god, I can't even look it up because my fucking computer. What uh, was it? What uh, album was it off okay. of? Because it probably would have been a. I'm assuming uh, a guitar it's... change when they were giving to Chino, like either giving him one or taking it back. Uh, hold on, I'll tell you right now. Um. Anyway, so they were having trouble with his mic. Oh okay. And so it just it just cut out completely. And and my friend looks at me. She, she's she's a, she's a fan of theirs, but more of their like adrenaline and around the fur. Right. Um. And Oyokan because she's kind of skipped a whole bunch of other records. I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> you need to listen to the else. You skipped a lot of really good records. Um. She's just like, what's going on? Like, it, I don't know. Uh, what song is it? Elite. I was gonna say during the elite, elite, you know, when, when he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That part? Yeah, yeah, the vocal effect. I don't know what was going on. There's like this weird vocal effect, kind of like a vocoder kind of deal, yep. Yep. and it just sounded strange. So yeah. Chino just stopped singing. He's like, "Nope, not even gonna bother. <laughs> <laughs> just, just not gonna do it." Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, Chino, you you show them. You're, you someone's get some tech is gonna get screamed at. I know it." Well, it's like um, the, the show that I saw last year. He had like issues with his guitar stuff and the dirty looks he was giving his tech <laughs> like because you know when you're up that close you can like see and we can see side stage so we can yeah. see like all of the gear and, and the tech and all that stuff and he was like not happy <laughs> oh geez so it's interesting um, to hear that he probably gave someone a dirty look for that too. <laughs> oh he's just like i hope you die <laughs> like, he just kind of he whipped his head around and then he just stopped singing i'm like oh he's mad but anyway whatever that was the only thing that was like oh geez that sounds horrible <laughs> but other than that like i could do raspberries into a microphone and i would be like yes so good um <laughs> so i highlights for me uh Swerve City was is one of my favorite songs off of that record. Off, of, I think it's Koino Yokan, right? And, uh, yep. Yeah, that's off that record. And I mean, it's ah, oh, it's just so good. It, it, it's like the sonically, anyways. During the set, was like the perfect mix between like ball crushing guitars and then like this really kind of happy, flowing verse, and it just translated so well uh live and i never heard that song played live so i was like yeah i'm so excited um what else for me um pretty much anything off of white pony i lost my mind <laughs> legitimately and the thing that was great about it was that we were surrounded by rise against myself and my friend surrounded by rise against fans who clearly don't like the band they don't like the deftones at all and they're like just sitting there on their phones talking to each other and the one girl had her arms crossed for the whole 60 minutes or what was it 70 minutes um her arms crossed like she was just angry she said fuck all these people around me like she was angry 
Um, but I'll, I was, I don't care. I'm like, I'm like, I have my beer and I have one of, well, my favorite band of all time playing, you know, I don't care about this girl, but, um, <laughs> it was just great. It was wonderful. Totally, really wonderful. So I don't know. I can't say, I can't say more good things about it. It was just, it was that good. I'm interested to see, uh, cause by my guesstimation, when we go see him in Denver in about a week and a half, uh, Deftones will be opening for Thrice or for Rise Against. So at that point, in theory, I don't have to sit around for Rise Against. But our friends that we're meeting up with in Denver are Rise Against fans. So I don't know if my wife and I are just oh. gonna like wander around after, <laughs> like while it's happening, be like, "Meet us, give us a call," and <laughs> we'll just be at a bar or something. But um, yeah, the the takeaway was like like I said, it was really cool to see a, a wide range of fans of the Deftones and, and like I said I don't know how much of that is to do with the fact that people were some people were there for Thrice and how many people were there for Rise Against solely and then like you to your uh, story like people are just basically sitting through Deftones <laughs> like very unimpressed <laughs> but it uh Ugh. still one of those like, things like I, <laughs> you can just see it on their I still feel like they're one of like Deftones are one of those bands like it doesn't seem like like I feel like they could be around for another twenty years. I, I I don't see a reason why they couldn't be. Honestly, everyone plays really well. Although there was some weird drum stuff okay, going I, on. I, like there was a Ava a couple of times sounded like he was falling behind a little bit, which was weird. Uh, and I couldn't see any like visible frustration on his face or like a tech or anybody or anyone kind of noticing like it seemed off. But there were definitely like a fill or something where it seemed like maybe he he missed something or I don't know. It just sounded a little off throughout the night at various times but could have just been my something else or the speaker like you know sound carrying a different way or whatever i don't know but right interested to see if uh, the set list changes <laughs> at all in denver compared to what we saw i'm so jealous you get to see them twice <laughs> i don't have that option yeah. <laughs> they come to canada once and then they're like boom out of here um you know I, I, if they come around in the next year or so you can bet i'm gonna be there like with oh if if this show is any indication of what the level that they're at, um, and, and he kept remarking, like, she knows, like, I can't believe how big this crowd is. Like, you guys are, he, he, it was just a sea of people because I think it's their only Canadian date. People have drove, you know, yeah. five, six hours or whatever. I think it was the only Canadian date. I'm not sure if that's true. Yeah, I think it was. But people, you know, people came from all over for the show because, you know, all over Ontario anyways I don't know maybe farther but um, I knew tons of people that were coming to the show from all over so and he's like holy crap there are a lot of people here yeah. and I'm like dude you've played in front of really big crowds like they've played they played the Rock and Marine Festival with us in in Europe and that crowd was like three times the size of this so I'm just like yeah. why, why do you keep saying that you played bigger crowds than this yeah I was anyway. reminded because he said the same, kind of the same thing. He was like, "Man, there's a lot of people." And I'm, I was, he goes, "I'm just aware that it was it's Saturday night." He goes, "So, uh, you know, we're gonna have a good night tonight or whatever." Blah blah blah. But the thing that I thought was kind of interesting was, uh, I, thinking back to the year before when I saw him, it was his dad's birthday, and he literally called his dad via like FaceTime or whatever from Aww. from uh the stage. And I was like, "Oh yeah, like the last time I saw you was your dad's birthday." And then this time he was going on about a beer called. Lady Boy. It was like a jasmine, a jasmine rice and like something basil. 
And I tried looking it up, and obviously <laughs> anybody who knows what a ladyboy is, trying to yep. Google ladyboy beer or lady, uh, like any variation of like ladyboy something beer, because he didn't say who it was from, but he said it was a local beer. And I kept trying to find it, and I was just like, I'm tired of like sifting through like like ladyboy porn, porn. basically. And I was like, all right, I'm done. This, maybe this beer doesn't exist, and he knew that people are going to Google it. And... He was just messing with you. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, so the Amazing. last question I have about the That's show, since like... we talked about merch, to end the last episode, what shirt did you end up buying? Did you buy the tank top that I was jealous that they had the ladies tank, tank top. tops? Yeah. Ah, I was so jealous they didn't have any dudes uh, tank tops. I think ladies. Yeah. I think mine was actually for men. Because like, when I wear it with, like, just as a shirt, yeah. it, it it doesn't cover anything. Yeah, I'm those like, are the okay, racing. so I have to wear a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say they're like the Razorback tank tops. So I ended up getting that uh that yellow shirt with the uh like the burst. That was the one I yeah. went with. Yeah, I saw quite a few people. Yeah, that was but the shirt. I, I love their merch. <laughs> consistently, their merch is consistently very interesting. Anyways, yeah. whoever designs it, they they do a good job. So speaking of design, let's that's a terrible segue. I was trying to figure out something. <laughs> Let's uh, <laughs> let's uh, get into around the fur. So we had already said to start the conversation of adrenaline that neither you nor I actually became a fan of the band on that record. We got into them on this record. Um, so we'll start with my own summer. Shove it in parentheses. The vid- I always remember seeing the video for this and being very confused because it's like the dudes kind of have like a weird i won't call it corpse paint but like a very saturated looking faces that made them look extra white like there was like caked on like corpse paint makeup or whatever and then like the heavy mascara (laughs) under chino's eyes and i was like i don't know (laughs) i was like i don't know what this band's about the music's cool and why are they on shark tanks or shark cages i was like this is just as a weird this is a weird video and i don't quite get it and so because of that uh I thought there was a lyric in the song before I ever had the lyric, you know, booklet. I thought there was, like, something to do with sharks in the song, and hence why, like, you know, they were playing on top of shark cages, and there's sharks in the video and shit, and I was like, oh, apparently not. Uh, But the... This is probably... And the... This becomes, again, another staple across the records... Um, you know, we had talked about how Abe's drumming on Adrenaline wasn't as defined as it later became. And I think this song right out the gate kind of showed, like, outside of, like, Digital Bath, this is probably one of the more iconic drum intros out of any of their songs. Just that, like, kind of snare hit into, like, the kick drum snare hit into the, like, the guitar riff. Like, it just sets it up so well. And it's just like such a bludgeoning yep. riff. Like so, I think anyone who is a guitar player from around this time frame learned how to play this song easily. Okay, get out of my mind. Get <laughs> out of my mind for real. That's like word for word what I wrote on my notes. <laughs> this is one of those riffs that every kid wanted to learn how to play. That's exactly what I wrote. <laughs> Do you remember how I said when I? I couldn't find the notes I had written previously, so I yeah. had to literally like run through this whole album and jot down shit very quickly. 
Yeah. My I have very abbreviated notes, but I, I knew the points I wanted to hit. Like literally, the note itself is classic riff, iconic drums akin to digital bath, uh, and then I wrote elaborate. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord, that's too funny. Anyway, sorry to interrupt no. you, but... <laughs> that's that's pretty um, much... Uh, I mean, the the thing that I thought was kind of... I mean, Chino's lyrics on the first record were... aren't, like, drastically different from Adrenaline to, to Around the Fur, but I think the difference is he enunciates a lot better, there's better production, something we hinted on... Actually, we didn't hint on it, we fucking beat it over the head with how that was a big struggle for us on that record is just the production. Yep. And I think this is a record where either they moved enough units to prove that they were worth the interest of having more time spent in the studio to write a better record and have better production. Mm -hmm. And I think like it's glaringly obvious right off the gate on this one song alone, like how everything just sounds better. And it's a band that's found their sound right away. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and I think it's it, this song specifically. I think really epitomizes that the Deftones sound yeah. that just the. And I also really like the how it has the perfect amount of bass in it. It the, when it when you listen to it on good speakers mm -hmm. or even good headphones for that matter, it is so per, it's so face grabbing and so face warm. smashing that oh, it's oh, it's so lovely, it's so nice when you too... listen to something like. The thing too that this. I loved about this, and especially when you see it live, is when Frank hits that like that like noise effect toward like the the bridge, or like the second yep. verse, and it's yep. like so predominant on this. And I just love like you know, like you said, the the bass tone on it is is very warm and it feels good. And then you just get like crushed with the yep. uh, the drums and everything else. And she knows harsh vocals that sound so great. But yeah, yeah, this is it's. A, uh, it's standout track um for me on this record definitely well um well, i guess since we both pretty much have the exact same notes we can move right on to labia <laughs> um sure. i wrote for this one great chorus um you get a greater sense of melody two songs into this album uh as compared to adrenaline still not a fan of the the indiscernible vocals of chino but overall this is two songs in leaps and bounds better than better and more focused than what most of adrenaline was for me. Um, I wrote that, uh, when I listened to this CD, uh, all the time as a kid, it was always a song that I skipped. Really? It was just not one that I was interested in hearing. I don't know. What, just because, is it just because of how repetitive it is? Yeah. And, and I wrote dying of boredom in, in quotations. <laughs> <laughs> so like it's so funny that he says that in the song i'm dying of boredom listening to it and i'm like oh it's not one it's very <laughs> underwhelming for me um i don't know all right well it's just a song it's heavy as hell and i love it for that uh so the guitar playing and the guitar, like guitar tone i love in it but everything else is forgettable in my opinion I think that that's something that we can address right away is I feel like Steph's guitar tone just sounds so much better. And I, I definitely know at this point he was using EMGs, using the active pickups. I think most of the gear that he has been using, other than just updating it or whatever, he's still like, this is basically Steph finding what would make him have his sound from here on out, basically. Yeah. Um, oh, so <laughs> um, this one's probably going to catch some flack on my end. Uh, Mascara. 
I wrote, feels like a leftover track from Adrenaline. Very eh about this one as a whole. I like, it's like a weird wannabe Weezer vibe, but done poorly. Uninspired. (laughs) (laughs) Weird wannabe Weezer. Well, think about it, because, I I mean, when when this came out, I think the Blue Album was big. You know, and Weezer was a bigger band, and I know that Deftones, or I know that Chino and those dudes like Weezer, so it's not that far of a stretch to think about that, but it, I don't know, I just kind of got like a weird, like, oh, let's try to be like a Weezer, like, sort of like, poppy and introspective sounding, but like, it's like very morose at the same time, I don't know, I just, I got like this weird Weezer vibe, like, and I was like, I just, I don't, I don't really like it, and it just, it just sounds compared to the first two songs it just sounds like something that that would have been like the latter end of uh adrenaline for me oh that's pretty much what i wrote too really uh totable totable well totable i can't speak (laughs) (laughs) totally uh, a forgettable song in my opinion it's another one of those songs that when i had this when i listened to this record as a whole always skipped labia and mascara every time the energy is when you have two sort of heavy when you, first of all when you open a record with something like my own summer go on to labia and then you go to mascara it, you're like where's the energy the energy is just draining from this record is going on <laughs> and then it goes back up again yeah it, 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 it's i i don't know mascara has never been one of my favorite songs i've always i could even hazard a guess that it's like my least favorite song of all time <laughs> it's really yeah. no and you know, when I was writing these notes down, I was like, I feel like Fallon's going to be like, no, these are like the best songs. And I was going to be like the only one on my own lonely, on, on my own shark cage with, with these uh, opinions. But no, buddy, I'm on that. <laughs> well, uh, blazing through to uh, track four around the fairly uh, standout track, the title track. Title tracks, I think, are interesting because listening to a lot of other podcasts where people talk about albums and stuff like that, a lot of people make the connection that you know when you have a title track it puts a lot of emphasis on that specific song because it's named after the record or the record's named after that song or or however you want to put it and so usually that song has to be uh people will look at it a lot more and try to figure out like you know why this why did you name it after this is there something like a theme going on or a narrative and i haven't really thought about that and so now when I go back and listen to records and there happens to be a title track on the record, which is something that Deftones kind of have flirted around with, like there's not a White Pony song, uh, but there's been, there isn't Around the Fur, there is, uh, you know, a Diamond Eyes uh, and stuff like that. So they've kind of flirted around with it a couple of times throughout their history. But going back through this and kind of being aware of that, um, it's still an interesting song title, like, you know, Around the Fur, okay? Like, and obviously with some of these song titles, the last couple of song titles, it's like there's a sort of theme kind of going on uh at least in that sense but um i ended up writing down this is one of those drum beats every drummer fucks around with when they're setting up their drums oh. like akin to like oh, the yeah. refused uh with uh fuck i can't even remember this i think it's a party i don't remember it's off, something off of a uh, shape of punk to come but it's like this weird shuffle beat thing that like any drummer who's within that plays something within that that like kind of hardcore post hardcore whatever everyone will try to play that drum beat because it's just such a classic drum beat and this is one of those like where to me i think everybody it's like okay you're doing sound check okay let me you know 
give me your snare, give me your hi-hat, give me your kick drum, play all three, play the whole kit or whatever. And inevitably, someone's going to probably fuck around and play this. This is, for what My Own Summer was for guitar players, I feel like this drum drum beat is for drummers. John, why why are you inside my mind? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. And then I go, the the opening verses are, are very chino, as I wrote. I mean, they're just so ethereal and very sleepy as as you and as, as something i've been saying now after you said that a couple of times on the last uh, chat that's exactly i i consider deftones a, a, like a classic shoegaze band really like yeah. sleepy there's i mean they were high energy at times but especially these last two records is like there's the energy level is is it's sexy it's sexier yeah. that's i don't know it sounds i don't want to make it sexual but it is sexual. Actually, that was an, about it. I'm going to go back in my final thought on the show that I saw, because it was a Facebook status of mine. I go, how can people, I go, people, white people suck at dancing <laughs> because so many people are trying to dance along to the Deftones songs. A lot of them have been around for over a decade and people still can't find the beat or the rhythm. And it's like, how fucking hard is it? Like, it's, <laughs> it's so awkward to watch people dance out of time or off rhythm and you're just like and i always make the joke it's like white people can't dance and and i don't know if it's because i'm a little bit more musically inclined like i can't even like when i try to make fun of people doing something off time i can't even do it like that's that's how hard it is to me when i see someone do it it's like how how do you not hear where the rhythm is or how do you and it's like you have this fucking cd it's over 10 years old how have you not figured out where the fucking beats are (laughs) Like, or just look yep. at one of the no, dudes I, on stage I, and figure it out. Yep. I totally get that. Oh my God. I, 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 I sometimes don't know how to either, but my, I, my automatic, um, inclination is to headbang. That's all I could do. Like, it's just, it's so consistent. Their songs are always consistently, uh, they punch at the right time kind of deal. Right. To me. And other people, okay, they'll think that's horrible or, you know, but they've got such groove and such raw energy. It's, ah, it's fucking magic. Magic. <laughs> um, um, but anyway, Around the Floor for me was essentially the same. I said this, um, the drum beat is probably one of the most catchy dumb, dumb drum beats that I have ever really heard. Um you know, it's so catchy, and even if you aren't a guitar player, aren't a drum drummer or, or whatever, it's when you sometimes when you're like, "Ooh, I'm gonna jump on the drums for a little bit," you play that because it's so fun. Um, you might play it horribly, but <laughs> yeah, it was. You know, it, it's one of those things where it, it, you like you're saying about for drummers um, when they're trying to like you know do, do like blind check or whatever. That's what you do. That's what you play. You play that song. Right. I always and... wondered if that part was basically just the, almost that for the studio. Like, hey, like just kind of pre-roll. Like we'll give it a little pre-roll and then whatever. And they just left it in. And now that's how the song is, not necessarily how it was supposed to be. I've often wondered that. Uh, maybe. Maybe. I mean, that's very possible, but it's it, it works. No, it totally works. It sets a great it's tempo and so vibe. It's good. It's I'm, I also wrote here that that bridge, you know, that have that little breakdown and it's all s- sleepy yeah. and like this really dreamy. And then it just takes your face 
pulls the skin off of it and then eats it. So like, <laughs> it's just amazing. It's so good. That's exactly what I wrote, by the way. Okay. And, uh, and it's probably one of my, the ending of that song is probably one of my favorite Chino screams, like just, oh, it's pit magic. If you're, if you're a mosh pit person, right. that's the kind of thing that you want to hear. It's, you know, oh my God. Definitely. I remember turn. I would, I would definitely turn that part louder in my car if I ever were driving around or whatever. I just turn because it's just so. Oh my god, the kind of things you want to smash your car to. I just imagine you aggressively gripping the steering wheel, cranking it, and like ah, <laughs> as you're driving, and people looking at you, you like you're weird. <laughs> you have no idea. I still do it. Frig, I'm 33 years old. I still like grip the seat the steering wheel and like ah shake like a freaking madman but or mad woman. um that's that's me total Rickets. but can we talk also oh, good. about no no uh can we also talk about the fact that like that drum ending right into rickets yes friggin oh, got me every time um th- yes th- there's sort of something that i hit on over the next couple of songs that's kind of like a a weird nuance pet peeve of mine but um so rickets i go pummeling right out the gate uh see more of steph's or this is like where you start hearing more of steph's like flangy dissonant sounding guitar tone that like starts making its presence known like on this record specifically that becomes a staple throughout the pretty much the rest of this record and i think it's on white pony and a few other uh spots in different albums but um I love the slow build during the bridge into basically like the, it's not quite a double time, but it's like a slightly sped up tempo of the, the verse around like the one thirty mark on the song. I mean, it's just something that this record does really well. And I feel like the band kind of, again, it's, it's their sound kind of, but they found that you can just kind of Steph's guitar playing and his, his choice of notes. It's so basic, but it's, so fucking catchy and it's like it and a lot of it is the tone that only he like in his hand the way he plays it like you know you can hear people play deftones covers and it sounds all right and i've heard people do really good things but all they're doing is using like their their kemper profile amps and basically matching the tone so it's kind of cheating right. but it still doesn't sound like the deftones specifically because it's steph it's how he plays it and this is one of those songs where i feel like you know that this is a great example of like everything kind of coming to show the, like my own summer, like it's pummeling during the verses or during like kind of the pre verse chorus or whatever. And then basically your verses kind of are are very chill and, and let a lot of room to breathe before they just basically pull you back under and fucking beat you over the head with it. (laughs) (laughs) And and that's what I really like about this record is that it has, it has a lot of those moments where you, you cannot escape how um face smashing they are even if you wanted to if you wanted to run away they just pull you back in it's like a rip so tide I, or a, yeah it really is um the only note that i wrote for ricketts is can we just talk about how panty wettingly awesome his guitar tone is that's it it's so good because <laughs> you know as a guitar player that song is his his the tone on it is is exactly what I like. I am not a very high bass tone kind of person. I've been heavily influenced by his guitar tone. 
Um, and it was one of the things that was interesting between me and Morgan. We were playing Kitty. Like she has a much more modern style, and mine is very bitey and like very much influenced by Steps. That's so, what I was just trying tone. to think. And you, I because I know very, you had, you and I had talked previously that you were playing. That's why you play ESPs. So at that point, you would have the yep, active pickups. Had... And then I'm trying to think. I don't think I ever really knew what kind of amps you were using because I think at this point he was using Mesas. Like the, was, dual, the triple Rex or whatever. Was that what you were running? Because I, yep, I, I, okay. Because of him. <laughs> okay. Because I was trying to think. I, I thought I okay. I had pulled up an old Guitar World because uh, I had to pack some, something out to ship. And so I just kind of used that as like the uh, pages as like filler to make sure it doesn't get all broken or whatever. But like going through, I see like all these old ads for, you know, different artists sponsoring different amps, strings, whatever. And I had found one from forever ago and I... And it wasn't for you guys, but it, it was for a Randall amp. And I was trying to think of all the bands that had Randalls back in the day. And I thought Morgan was a Randall endorsee. And so it kind of was trying to make me think, like, because with you having said that you were big on Steph and a lot of, like, ESPs and all of his rig, I was trying to think, like, did you all have Randalls? Or did you all, like, with, like did Morgan have, like, her own setup, her own thing? And then you had, like, you know, a Mesa or whatever, and you kind of had sort of conflicting, like, tones. We had completely different tones. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like she had her own thing, which I didn't, I, you know, she likes a specific type of tone, which is her thing. And then mine was much, much more influenced, like, by that Deftone sound. Very kind of like grinding your teeth together sound. <laughs> um, very much like when I, when I want, when I wanted to do records and I wanted to hear a certain type of tone, I would play something like Ricketts and be like, that's what I want. I want something like that. <laughs> right. Um, but that's I, I played Mesa's and ESP. That's it. Mesa's, ESP, and then later on BC Rich, but I've always been an ESP girl. So Great company. Mm. Um, so I guess that's, that's Ricketts, basically. <laughs> um, the The... the standout track really i mean if anyone who goes through this album usually this is like the track everyone knows uh be quiet and drive i think legitimately the first and see it's kind of hard to figure out if it's legitimately like the first hit they had looking back on it now and seeing how much of a hit it's become or if it always was a hit and this was the song that got me into the band like i said i was aware of adrenaline i used to play some of the songs you know, hearing it in friends' cars and stuff like that. But it wasn't really a CD, like, I actively seeked out. And then when this, the way I really got into the Deftones, and this isn't really a thing that happens anymore either, was I was playing Dave Mirra's Freestyle BMX game on my PlayStation. And <laughs> when you get to the Woodward camp level, uh, Be Quiet and Drive is, because kind of like Tony Hawk, like, even though you can have other songs playing, like, each level has a song that always starts off that level. And Be Quiet and Drive was the song that started off that level. And I was just the slow, like, swirling two-chord intro that Stefan does drew me in. And then when you kind of hear that, like, I don't even know what you call it. It's like a, a weird, like, vocal-y kind of thing. Like, if you were to grab a microphone and kind of go like that, but kind of move it the mic a bunch, a bunch away, and it kind of cuts in and out. It's yeah. like that. And then just those pummeling like just everything hitting you all at once for the the verses and chino's like very ethereal vocals 
I was sold right away. Like, I think I went out like either that day or the next day and bought this record. And then was just like, holy shit. Yep. Um, so this was that song for me. Oh, okay. So this yeah, was the song um, that I got, that and, I got into this enough, on. So this was the song. There this was, was no, this, yeah, This wow. was the song. Like I said, I was aware of, I had seen, you know, the video for Bored and Seven Words and stuff like that. And friends had Adrenaline and would play it. But it was very much a lot of the things I said where it was like, eh, just very, eh, that's how I felt about it. It was always mm -hmm. like, oh, this song's cool, or this part's cool, but I, I didn't, wasn't so compelled to go out and buy the CD. When I heard Be Quiet and Drive, uh, I heard it in a video game, and I was like, I, I need to hear more of this band. I need to hear more of this record, because apparently there's, you know, it's not like you had the internet where you could just fucking download the record or hear all the things. Yeah. The only way you could see it is if, if it wasn't a single, you had to buy the record. So um i went right. and bought this record and it was just like holy shit and like everything from the album cover which seemed weird and i didn't you know get it uh you know everyone's like he likes to put women yeah on this on the cover of well I the noticed. story about that was uh rick Kosick, who worked for big brother skateboard magazine and was in like jackass as the one of the filmers uh he took the photo yep and it was a friend of theirs i oh, guess did he? and she yeah and because he used to hang out with the Deftones back then, I guess still does. But he uh, yeah. he took that photo, and apparently the girl didn't like it, and which kind of explains the look on her face. And then uh, on top of that, I think the reason she ended up on the album cover was because she had passed away while they were recording the record, or right after they had finished it. So it was kind of like a oh like, wow. like a, a nod I didn't to, know that. According to the internet. <laughs> That oh, is... the internet told you. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, when, that thing you, you do when you start looking up your favorite bands and everything you can find about them, like that was something that I had found out <laughs> uh, a long time ago. But yes, Be Quiet and Drive, yeah, that, that um, was, this was the song. This is the song for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, as a pretty diehard Deftones fan, as well as a def diehard Chino fan, this is like my... my you know, my mom used to tell me that she was in love with um, uh, the guy from the Monkees. Get his name. What the hell was his name? I know who you're talking about. I can't think of his <sighs> name either. She's in love with him. She thought he was the like the bee's knees, as she said. The so she, my mom's adorable. <laughs> anyway, she's like, he's the bee's knees. Chino was my bee's knees. He was the guy that I had on my wall because I was like, like he's the best and this song spoke to me i'm like this is where all the teenage girls would sit like scream and cry when you know that was me i was the one that was in the crowd like crying when he played the song davy jones <laughs> it, was the dude's just, name davy jones thank you very much yep. yeah that was gonna bother me but anyway you were crying so <laughs> i was crying it's it's your hard rock love song um, you know, it, it was hearing that at a time when you're super awkward and you want like you know, starting to notice boys and stuff. You're like, you know, sitting there crying, listen to be quiet and dry. <laughs> that was me. That, <laughs> that's what, what the song is for me is one of those like, you know, my, my first emo song. I don't know. And so, um, it, but it wasn't the song that I like. I heard that one second and I heard my own summer first and that's what hooked me on them. Um, but the song was just like the, the cherry on top. I'm like, oh God, I love this man. <laughs> I could listen to him talk, like, sing all day. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, the crazier thing too is when the acoustic version of this started floating around that you could uh, somehow made it as good, if not better, just being even more 
like shoegazy, just slow and like driving in its own way. Yeah. Oh man, when I heard that acoustic, I, b- I bought the single when it came out, and I think the sing the the acoustic version was on it. Yeah, I think that that's right. Acoustic version was on it, and when I heard that, I'm like, oh god, I can't, I can't, can this can this band get any better? Like, I, I can't, I can't even. Uh, <laughs> and it was being like 14, and you know, I cried even more listening to that song. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh god! I think one of the other yeah. crazy theories around this song is someone. There was a theory. Someone had told me that apparently this was a cover song of a Tom York song, and I was always like, I don't think so. And then so what? like for a while, when I would listen to the lyrics, I'm like, I don't like Radiohead nor Tom York. And so then I would be like, Is this something Tom York would write? Did, like, I don't know, maybe. Maybe that's why it sounds so different, and that's why it sounds a specific way. And then, like, I finally was like, nah, that's full of shit. And then I remember after thinking about it one day and looking it up, I was like, nah, this ain't no fucking cover song. Fuck those people. But, Who the hell would say that? that I, I'm offended. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, offended. This is, this is like when the internet... I've never cried to a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, this is one of those things where it's like the internet was a, a, a very early thing, and not everyone had it. <laughs> so you couldn't just oh, readily, like, Google something and disprove someone and be like, you're a fucking liar. <laughs> Don't tell me those fucking porky pies. That's not nice. So uh, yeah, that song gets me in the feels every time. Going into lotion. So your comment about how uh what was the from around the fur into Ricketts. My problem with lotion is where it sits in the track listing order because to me it starts too similarly to be quiet and drive. Oh yeah, okay. I can and see so that. So to me it's like you have two songs, like one song that goes into another from Around the Fur into, like, basically into Ricketts. Then you have Be Quiet and Drive, and then Lotion starts off very similarly to Be Quiet and Drive, and it's like, uh, I should have maybe put this one somewhere else. And I don't know where, but it, it just always, to me, that kind of irked me that it's like, you have two songs that sound very similar, like, outside of that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, I wrote this, the chorus is one of my favorites on this whole album. I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a very... They just figured it, they just figured it out on this record. I that's I keep coming back to yeah. it. They just fucking figured it out. They figured out what, what worked. The production on it sounds great. Chino's vocals, you can actually understand most of them. It's like everything mm-hmm. it's there couldn't have been a, a, a bigger night and day difference from one record to the next to me. Like as far as like when you really put them back to back, it's like just leaps and bounds. Every negative became a positive on this record. Um Yep, agreed. Your thoughts on Lotion? Um, it's easily one of my favorite songs in the whole record easily um it is it's it's everything that me as a guitar player everything that i like to hear his guitar tone um a lot of palm muting um it's just incredible um anytime they played this song live i would lose my marbles like it's so good um his vocals on it during that during the, the the chorus is is so chino-esque like it's it's glad like it's just you just know as soon as you hear it it's you know it's chino marino's voice like <laughs> oh and then the that that bridge at the end also like um uh like around the fur is just incredible like his his the scream is so perfect it's 
ah, face smashing. <laughs> That's all I can say. Face smashing. Um, and I, if, if they could do an entire record of lotion like songs, I would like that a lot. <laughs> it would be really nice. Um, you know, just make maybe four songs of, you know, face smashing. But um, I don't know if they'll do that again ever. But yeah, yeah I don't know. I definitely don't think it would happen just because of the fact that Stefan uses those eight string guitars now and kind of plays a, a lot differently than he, I mean, it's still the same, but it, the way he plays now is completely different. Cause I feel like he, the band now allows everyone to kind of have with the introduction of Frank more. So, I mean, he's on this record sporadically, uh, but officially by the time he came in on the next record and they let him, you know, be in the live show and stuff like that i think you started noticing more space for everything whereas this one it's, mm. it's still very much a you know everyone had like it, abe is the drummer steph is the guitar player chino is the vocalist she is the the bass player and everyone had their defined parts uh we start seeing that kind of yep. uh change no pun intended on the next record um, yeah. yep. day the flu or die however again another so many maybe it's just the midwest thing that people pronounce things with eyes and i'm completely different but um oh maybe i yeah i wrote i wrote literally this is what i wrote very sleepy to use your words <laughs> that's exactly what i wrote to <laughs> skip the song it's too sleepy for me yeah it's i too. it's a, it gets me to I, I, you know, this but, is not the reason why I come to listen to the Deftones. I don't want to sit there and want to go to bed. Like, <laughs> I want to smash things. That's, yeah. Well, um, especially at this, when I first heard the CD, I'm like, what is, the, what is the song? No, skip. Which is really weird, because, like, outside, like, the next two songs to finish off the record, it's like, I, I feel like this, this could have been better put maybe, like, between, well, that kind of would have been a bummer spot, but you know, maybe this could have been track four, like right after Mascara, before Mascara, and then you kind of finish off the record pretty heavy from there on out and on a strong note. But this kind of kills the, the momentum that uh, Around the Ferd Ricketts and Be Quiet and Drive and, and Lotion all kind of uh, built up. It would be three songs that I would skip every single one. Labia, Mascara, and Die the Flu, and then all the rest I would keep. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I guess that goes right into Head Up, the song that started off mm -hmm. this tour for their set. Um, the thing that always surprised me about this, and this is one of those, like, if I'm just kind of riffing on a guitar, especially if I'm just bullshitting, like, trying to play some single note kind of riffy stuff, this is always just a, a real easy thing. And upon listening to White Pony, uh, my wife's been on a White Pony kick the last couple of, since we went to that show. And yeah. A thing I, I didn't put together until I was listening to uh, White Pony a little bit more is how how similar the head up riff kind of is to the riff to that riff for head up to elite is pretty much similar. <laughs> the only difference is yeah. instead of being on the low E, he basically throws in that note on the the A <laughs> for for elite. And then just kind of makes this little like, I mean, bouncy riff. But it's th this almost indirectly is exactly what I was just talking about again, where it's like you took a note, added one more note, or you took a riff, added a note to it, and then now all of a sudden it's a completely different song. Uh, 
but yeah. they're very similar as far as like kind of the 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 phrasing that he uses on these these uh on this although i think in this one he's still in like c standard or whatever and i think by the time he went to white pony i think he was just straight up in c um Makes sense. but this apparently and i should have looked further back max cavalera said that this is where soulfly actually came from for the the band name that he he didn't he just said it oh and that then soulfly became a thing but i thought around two or oh. i'm looking at the wrong record nope maybe <laughs> that would maybe be why too um because this they came didn't out come out until 2000 with the first record Really? Sorry, no. 1998. 1998 is when okay, Soulfly's so, first okay. record came out. See, I always thought the first Soulfly record came out when this did. So I was like, uh, that doesn't seem like... like so well, unless he, like, he wrote a whole record, didn't have a band name, and then the last minute was like, oh, I came up with this thing, Soulfly. That works. Um, this yeah. is like one of those songs, like when you hear it, it just... Uh, not on quite such a, a... I always said like whenever you listen to Pantera's uh, Far Beyond Driven record... For me, I was always like, it yep. makes you feel like you have the biggest dick in the room and that you can like destroy whole cities with it just for how heavy and aggressive that record <laughs> is. Um, to me, this is one of those songs that just is kind of gives you that same invincibility feeling. Like it's a great buildup. It's aggressive the whole way through. It gives you just a split second to kind of like breathe for a minute and then goes into that walloping oh, chorus. And, pulls you and then yeah just is relentless start to finish and max caballera being on this like just adds more to it somehow and she i always thought did a phenomenal job of matching that intensity that was on this record in a live setting yeah man i miss that guy his yeah. wife he just like, he had his own like presence um presence to to him and the way that he screamed especially that part and it just sound it sounded so perfect. I'm like, oh man, he's such a cool guy. Like he just just looks like the type of dude you want to hang out with. Has some so, gnarly teeth. Yeah, because but... <laughs> he, he was always one of those that whenever he would do the vocals, he'd like basically like look like he's eating the microphone, and you, so you could just see like those gnarly teeth. And I'm always like, Ugh. so judgmental. I I pay attention to a lot of weird things at shows. <laughs> um. <laughs> it, it, it this song is all i did really was talk about the fact that they opened our show with this song and it was so perfect and one of the i, I they, i'm pretty sure they had never opened with this song before as far as i not I that i'm aware of, no. of the tour um and i'm and like it makes sense it's it's just the riff the opening riff it just sets the whole tone for the rest of the of the set so Excuse me. I thought I was like, that's perfect. That's brilliant. I'm surprised I haven't done this before. But um, that that riff is one of those that I would always return to. I'm like, oh, it's so it's so easy, but it's so perfect. It's so yeah. I wouldn't change anything <laughs> about about that song like, if I were to be the one in the writing seat uh, as a guitar player. Like, nope, it's perfect. And that leads us into the last song, MX. Mm -hmm. This one, this is one where I feel like it's a great album closer unofficially because there's there's the the last hidden track on this when that was still a thing, um, 
this is just such a this is such a great example i think of to me this is a really indicative song of where i think they kind of were gonna go with white pony before we knew white pony like how we said that the last couple of songs on adrenaline were kind of indicative of where they were going but we didn't know it at the time like because you just didn't have the the foresight to be able to look back at what they've done i think looking back now this really showed where the band was kind of going with like letting they always were a groove oriented band at this point had always been been such but i think this is one of those like where i mean at i'm trying to think of how long this track actually is um 46 minutes. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't really help that it, it has that. But I was going to say, um, I mean, the song itself is like, I think it's like a f- six-minute song. And outside oh, of uh, outside of Be Quiet and Drive, which I, at this point was one of the only songs really that kind of like, it has like a nice longer intro to the song. Has like, nothing feels rushed, nothing feels forced. Everything feels like it's supposed to be where exactly where it is, played exactly how it is but really allowed the band to be aggressive. So letting Steph and the guys mm-hmm. like kind of really riff and get aggressive, but then really allowing Chino to kind of do his kind of, you know, Depeche mode kind of thing where it's kind of very like slow and sexy and kind of dangerous sounding. And the thing that I always loved about this song when you see it live is there's, it's a very weird swell so like with the song with the dun, 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 like it just allows like everyone to kind of get into like a good like head banging rhythm or like a head nodding rhythm and chino always with the few times i saw him on the diamond eyes tour he would kind of alternate how the vocals were done to where like he would do the the women's vocal on this and then the crowd would do his and then like the next verse yeah he would do his vocal and then the crowd would do the women's vocal um yeah and I always thought it was cool how this song allowed there to be a really interesting dynamic in a live setting. Um, and I don't know if that's something that the band, because sometimes when bands write records, they start, and then they've toured a lot, they start thinking of parts being performed in a live setting as opposed to it just being on a record. And so I'm wondering yeah. if maybe, some, like, you know, Be Quiet and Drive and stuff like that, if they were starting to think, like, okay, like, we need a song that's kind of got a cool build-up part so when it hits, like, you know, the crowd can kind of really get into it. Like, you start noticing a lot more build-ups on these on these songs, on this record. Yep. So I'm starting to wonder if uh, that was a, an intentional thing for them. But this has always been, I think this is actually my favorite song off this, this whole record. <gasps> Wait! Did you just, you just... No, I didn't. I, well, <laughs> I, I've said there's a few others, though, too, but... Because I said Be Quiet and Drive. Oh, okay. So I've said like three songs okay, that are probably yeah, like my favorites on this record. But oh, so this okay. is one of yeah, this is one I of my favorites. Uh, but yeah, this has always been the one to me <laughs> that like took everything about that I loved about Be Quiet and Drive, took some of the aggressiveness of like Head Up. And this this basically encapsulates the whole record to me in one song. Uh, yeah, I like that description. I think it's probably the most vulnerable song on record. Um, vulnerable sounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, akin to like a, a vocal striptease is what I call it. Yeah. Um, just sort of Foreplay. slowly. It's very, I, I, I think it's probably one of the sexiest songs he's ever written. And being like a huge fan of his was like, Oh my god. <laughs> like I could listen to him sing the song all day. <laughs> this is great. And I remember when like exactly like you were when we saw they them perform this 
song at Warped Tour, I believe, um, all of the women sang the women's the woman's part. I believe I don't know if this is true, but I always thought that this was actually his wife at the time doing know. this sort of back and forth. Um, it doesn't. I think they credit her in the liner notes because I wanted to know who this woman is. Like, who's this girl <laughs> singing? It's you know, fourteen, whatever. <laughs> so, kill her. Uh, um, kill her. Oh. Anyway. Um, Actually, I think a rumor I had heard was that it was the girl on the cover at one point. Oh, but oh, I know, really? I know okay, that that's, well, that's obviously not true, but still. <laughs> but I uh, I, I, it's it's a very sensitive song. Like, there's just so much being unpacked, um, so much emotion that's being thrown around, whether it be kind of fiercely the um, second track where he's kind of screaming over top of that really lovely, sweet um, chorus. Like, it's just the buildup to it, like you said, is, is, is magical. It's, and even live he, and I was surprised that he could hit the note every time because it's, I mean, it's kind of a high note for him. Kind of not really, but every time it was like bang on. Oh, it's great. It's, <laughs> it's easily, easily one of my favorites on this record. Easily. Yeah. And that is, that's uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's around the fur. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're at the point where we pick a, a unanimous favorite. If we can. Yep. And yeah. in light of how terribly we did last time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, how, how are we going to do it? Well, we can try to do it like we did last time where it's one, two, three, and then you say, but I think I don't know if there's a slight okay. delay, and because I, I was thinking about that as I was editing the episode, if that was the cause of why I went first, and then you were like, eh, "Mine is blindfold." <laughs> so no, that was because I, I was hoping that they would, and we didn't, so I stopped. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, so I guess on three, we'll we'll say our favorite. One. Okay. One, two, three. MX. Oh, Next. we did it again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> did we get the same one? Yeah, we did. Okay. Did you not hear? No, because <laughs> I, I, I said it, and then it sounded like you said head up, and I was like, no, we, we did the same thing where I said mine, and then you said yours. No, no. MX is, is, has, is and always has been my favorite song on this record. Yeah. Well, that'll be the song we end this episode with then. All right, great. And we can look forward to a chat sometime next month. Yeah, you bet. Well, thank you for your time as always. Thank you for your time as always. And uh, we will continue on in about a month with more Deftones. Yep, sounds good. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. So that was my chat with Fallon Bowman. Uh, That was us discussing the Around the Fur and Breaking It Down. Uh, A lot more of the same like we did on the last one. A lot of uh, notes very similar to each other. I definitely think having seen some of these songs uh, on the most recent Deftones tour kind of kept this fresh in our minds. And we also are gearing up to do our next conversation, which will be on White Pony. I'm certain that will be probably everyone's favorite album 
collectively, whether you're a newer or an older fan, I just think that's the record everyone unanimously agrees is the best. Um, will that be what we think? Have to stay tuned to find out. I definitely know that Fallon's got some stories from that tour and that era, and pretty soon that'll be the shift of her having stories of seeing the band live into me having seen the band from about that album going forward. So really interested to see the uh, the difference between how an album resonates with either one of us due to having been able to see the band live in that format or during that time period. Um, speaking of formats, you can follow Fallon across various social medias. Uh, basically, just search Fallon Bowman uh, between YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You'll find her there. I believe her YouTube channel is Fallon Bowman TV. If you would like to follow me, you can do such on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube at Johnson Title Podcast. Uh, you can tweet at me at Johnson Title Pod or email me at Johnson Title Podcast at gmail.com. I'm sorry, that's Johnson Title Pod at gmail.com. And the other great thing to do while you're clicking and liking and doing all those things is to rate, review, and subscribe. Literally takes a click of a button to do any of those things. However you find my podcast, whether it be iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the multitude of other apps that podcasts are on, wherever you are listening to this or have found it, rate, review, and subscribe from there. Do the same on YouTube. You can subscribe to the channel, get notified when the new episodes are coming. Same with the podcast itself if you subscribe to anything whenever there's a new app coming you don't gotta do nothing you just bam wake up and there it is on your on your device and you can listen to it and laugh at me or with me or however you want to do that so um as you heard at the very end of this episode we unanimously picked a song this time uh so we are going to play off the episode to deftones mx which is the unanimous decision was our favorite ep- song off of the around the fur album So this is MX by the Deftones. Talk to you next week.